I'm Lights Camera Jackson. This is the LCJ Q&A podcast. Thank you for listening. Ardman has done it again. And this time, it's a holiday special. Robin Robin premiering Wednesday, November 24th on Netflix. Joining me now, directors Dan Ojari and Mikey Please. Guys, thank you so much for being on the show today. Hey, an absolute pleasure, Jackson. What a what an introduction, man. That was wonderful. That was yeah, something to behold. <laughs> well, thank you, guys. And and I'm actually, for those listening to this, I'm, I'm talking to you guys. You're at Ardman. I have seen some of the characters in your backgrounds. It is, it is amazing to see the characters. And obviously, the legacy and the history of Ardman animation is, is incredible. And this is a new chapter in that. Uh, Dan, let me start with you. First of all, why do you think animated holiday specials, especially stop motion ones, are so beloved around the world? Hmm. Yeah, it's a good question. I think probably there's some element of you can you can see the craft in them. You can see that a person has made them. Like it's very visible that it's you know you're you're aware of the materials. It kind of there's a, there's probably a part of you that thinks oh maybe I could make something like that as well. It's very inclusive. But I don't know. I think it's just got an intimate charm that I think it kind of resonates around Christmas time, perhaps. I don't know. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We, we were sort of aware of it before we um, developed the idea is like that it's such a brilliant, brilliant tradition and lovely stage to tell a story on. Families kind of welcome these, these films and stories into their, into their lives every year. And, and it, you know, if you're very lucky, it's like, you know, like something like The Snowman or... Um, and a, and a lot of the Bullets and Gromit films, they're kind of rewatched every year and cherished. So it's a, it's a really special stage yeah. to tell a story of. Yeah, intimacy and charm. I, I completely agree with that when it comes to stop motion. And you're right. I've talked with some other UK-based um, animation filmmakers over the years who go back to the snowman as a quintessential one. And obviously here in America and around the world as well with Rudolph and, and so many yeah. of the other animated holiday specials. And for this one, for Robin Robin, it's about a Robin named Robin. And she's raised by mice. It's quite a Christmas adventure. Mikey, what were your goals in creating her emotional arc and her emotional journey through this? Hmm, good question, Jackson. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, her, her emotional journey is something that's actually, it, it, it evolved as we set about making the, the, the kind of the job of making the film. You know, when, when we very, the very, very kind of initial kernel of the idea was, is this this Robin who's raised by this family of burglar mice, and um, she doesn't quite fit in, but she gets separated from them and goes out on this journey to try and sort of find her way home and meets this magpie, and um, they have this this adventure. And in the end, you know, she learns more about herself and becomes more accepting of of who she is. But as we develop the film, you know, that initial idea kind of becomes quite uh, changed actually for, for, what, for what we have in the final film. So there's still the robin, there's still the mice, there's still the magpie, all the sort of tent poles of the story there, but that emotional core of Robin accepting that what is it about her that makes her different is actually a really positive thing once she embraces it. Um, the sort of the clarity of that last little sentence of our differences make us stronger. Um, that took a while to really crystallize. Um, but once we got it and we put that armature through the film, it held together beautifully, we hope. 
<laughs> oh yes <laughs> it, to decide <laughs> when, when you watch it yes the themes and the messages kids are going to get something out of it the parents and those who grew up with wallace and gromit are absolutely going to get something out of the themes the messages that final section and i really like richard e grant's voice performance as magpie yeah. you make magpie confident but he's not cocky in an annoying or discouraging way. Dan, can you talk a little bit about how you were able to um, walk that tightrope and succeed with that aspect of the Magpie character? Well, I mean, we always knew there was a lot of humor and, and character and, and also kind of warmth to a character that's very clearly flawed. So he can be as extravagant and, um, you know, he's a, he's a materialist, so he's, he's sort of besotted with this lifestyle of attaining more, which inherently is a, there's, a, there's a huge flaw to, to make fun of there and to have and, and to play with. But, but I think it is, it's just, you know, it, we, we always love characters that um, where you've got the kind of blind leading the blind, Robin and her naivety uh, matched with Magpie and his sort of delusion about an, an obsessive nature about things. When you put them together, they, they sort of create a really fantastic duo and um, I think a lot of the humor is is actually comes from both of them being very naive in their ways and, and you you expect him to as a he's like an adult character and Robin's a young bird you expect him to have sort of more knowledge of the world but he's he's just as naive and, <laughs> and yeah. foolish and I think that's probably where a lot of the humor and the fact that he still is quite warm so stems from yeah, yeah. The the humor in this, it's it's this kind of dry, quirky, unexpected humor that comes in specific places. You place the humor in it very well, and a lot of it comes from that uh, Magpie-Robin relationship. And one of the other really impressive elements about Robin Robin is the sound work. Oh my goodness, all the objects, all the things that Magpie has. The, the sound work is spectacular. Mikey, what were some of the most difficult aspects of doing and pulling off the sound work? It's an incredible, incredible sound design scape. I mean, we watched it um, with just the sound design on uh, before we kind of went into the final mix. It's a, it's a wonderful experience doing that because suddenly this kind of big, um, kind of rumbunctious musical romp becomes this super like art house uh, kind of outsider art film, which is is really amazing maybe we'll, we'll release that we'll release it as a separate <laughs> film just the sound design and the sound design is incredible you're right like but it's it's one of those moments in stop motion and, and, and animation particularly compared to like live action where the the film you have is like a ghost or something because nothing has you know things have visual weight and obviously these they're you know physics and mechanics but once you put the sound design on it once you get like textures rubbing and all those things it suddenly the ghost becomes like a full meaty living thing because everything has weight so yeah it's a, a wonderful moment this is a musical which is new for Ardman to really get into the songs uh dan can you talk a little bit about the bookshop band and what they were able to do with these really unconventional lyrics and rhythms that are really refreshing, especially in animation content. We always set out, I mean, we hadn't made a musical before. We sort of embraced the fact that there was, you know, that most of the team that were, that were making this musical hadn't made a musical before. So what we wanted to do is make something that felt very centered in the kind of um, folk music that, and, and kind of world music that um, the bookshop band bring to it. And, and just their sense of melody and emotion we just were very confident that they would be a brilliant team to kind of 
create the score and and the and the melodies within the film. Yeah, and I, and I think that's perhaps why it sort of ended up as a non non conventional musical. The the thing that was really wonderful working with the Bookshop Band um, was that we got the chance to work with them right from the beginning. So right from when we were still like writing the script and doing storyboards and animatics and kind of figuring out who the characters were and what the big sort of story structure was, we got we got them working on sketches of ideas for melody and what instruments each uh, character might be if it was an instrument and um, and that sort of fed in and infused the way we told the story. So right from the beginning, uh, you know, so some of the music that's actually in the film. Is, is almost come directly from those early tests, you know, the prologue and things like that. They, they you know, because then we started, which is a, a scene where we sort of see the egg, Robin's egg falling from the right from the tree, um, the, the, which is like a music music led sequence. Um, we we had that music quite early on, and that meant that we could shape the, the visuals and the timings and the animation all bespokely around it. Partially the reason why, um, well, I think the reason why perhaps it, it feels uh, hopefully unique and, and a new yeah. take on a musical is, is for the fact that we, we sort of didn't follow the rule book <laughs> musicals and we didn't necessarily know the rule book. We were like learning yeah. as we were going, so it was quite we, fun. We, we, did, um, we did put in place sort of, I think, oh, probably about mid, midway through production, um, a kind of a thematic script, like a musical thing. Once we had sort of identified all those key signature melodies for each character and kind of the, 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 the themes that would pop up again. And that was very helpful to basically build a, a music map, like you do a colour script, but a music map of the whole film. And that visual bit of figuring out really helped be like, ah, okay, we need, we actually need to bring back this theme here because those two moments in the story talk to each other, you know, and, and this is here and maybe this theme's a bit heavy here. And that kind of helped us structure the the, the music and the score in a more kind of organized way <laughs> than than just sort of like, wouldn't it be nice if it's, it's an yeah. exciting it is a really exciting and, and very expressive way of telling a story using a, with a musical. Because the melodies of the songs, when, when you sing, you know, for example, Robin has a song and a melody, but also the mice family that she lives with have a song. Right. And, and so using those two melodies, you can actually tell a story with them because at the beginning, the, the story is about Robin and she's very different to the family that she grows up in. And, and so it's her journey of self-discovery and, and, and how she fits within the family, how her very different qualities fit within the family. So we could use the melodies that represent mice and represent Robin to help tell that story and how they musically blend together, you know, not so well at the beginning and, and towards the end, but better. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's, a really, it's a really sort of strong form of being able to, to tell, the, tell a story with, with melody yeah. and music as well. It's memorable music. I think I think families are gonna to wanna to just listen to the music you over and over again because it's right. memorable and very successful. Dan Ojari, Mikey Please, the directors of Robin Robin are with me now on the LCJ QA podcast. Again, this new Ardman Stop Motion Holiday Special premieres Wednesday, November 24th on Netflix. I had the chance a couple months ago to watch a virtual presentation you two were a part of and many of the other people at Ardman and some behind the scenes things. And one of the things mentioned in it was that uh, Gillian Anderson's character, she voices the cat, 
And apparently the cat is a massive puppet. Now, Mikey, how massive are we talking? Well, I mean, it's not going to be something for your podcast listeners, but she's right behind me here. Right. I'll hold her. Maybe you can compared to the size of say my head she's um she's she's large she's a very very large puppet she's um i mean slightly larger than a life-size cat i was gonna say fairly close to the size of a cat yeah yeah but i mean what's incredible i mean if i could skin her right now and show you i would but i'd get in so much trouble with with Ardman <laughs> to put doing that but, but inside there's this absolutely incredible kind of um boston dynamics-esque basically like a robot built by the incredible armatures team here and yeah she really is like a, a feat of engineering able to elongate and contract and um she's got kind of movable uh, shoulder plates which kind of go automatically when her like knee joints bend so much so much engineering goes into these things it's a real marvel i mean one one yeah. thing about stop motion um and the, and the process of making it is that you, you know, it, often you're using scale models, so you're kind of like scaling down a, a puppet or step scaling up a puppet. And we had a variety of different scales, so the, the sort of main scale we had was one and a half times bigger than real life. So Robin is like a very big Robin, and that meant everything in, in camera at that time we had to like upscale it. So we made really big kitchens and things like that to. So it was relative to that scale, but we also made very small ones. If we wanted a wide shot, and you you know you don't want to build a huge huge set, so you make a small one. So actually, that cat that that looks like a sort of normal size cat, relative to like the tiny robin and in uh, and the and the set we were making, right? It does come across like a sort of giant in that space. Mm. <laughs> but, but basically, we 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 make worlds in like tiny worlds. <laughs> so even like the very big puppets are probably not as big as you'd imagine but it's i guess it's all relative but it's amazing you're right about the the way uh cat comes in and the way she moves and the way her head goes and her body goes you're right it, it's so unique in that way one of the other things we really have to talk about is the fact that you're using felt for these characters which is also something bold for Ardman. Now, Dan, what does felt give you that clay really can't? Hmm, good question. It's, um, it's... You're not uh, allowed to badmouth clay, though. <laughs> <laughs> they, have similar, they have similarities in certain qualities. What, what we really love in felt is, is that it's... And I think it, ha it has a similar quality to plasticine, but it's just, it's just from a different, um, in a different way. But you put it on camera and the way that it lights and the way that it's so very, you know, it's, it's like a fabric and you can see all the detail. It just feels like a very tangible, real material that you could reach out and touch. Part of the magic of stop motion is when your one eye kind of knows what material it is and you can see that it's a real physical thing that, that shouldn't move. And the other eye is seeing that it's moving and it's breathing and it's alive. And it's, it's like a really brilliant magic trick when that happens. That illusion happens so we were really keen to use a material that you knew what that material was you know if you use silicon which you know you can use in brilliant ways but sometimes if you push it so slick that you don't know the material anymore the illusion of knowing what it's made out of and the movement is is lessened so that was that was a big part of of um the needle flight but it had lots of challenges claymation and plasticine is sort of very moldable and you know you can 
it's it's sort of the perfect material to to animate with. Whereas felt is is a diff, more difficult thing because it's actually quite rigid, and it you know if you touch it too much, it can really boil. And it's so the puppet and the animation departments on a production had had a, there was a lot of research and development into how we control the material and and make it very expressive still. And we and we did find out that um, that you can actually sculpt it. You know, like needle felting. I don't know if anyone if you've done it, Jackson ever. We've done some needle felting, but you can, it's quite a sort of direct way of making, you know, you sort of, you literally shape what you want out of loose felt and then you stab it with a pin. <laughs> it's quite good for getting rid of like tiny bits of anger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really tiny. How would you get rid of bigger bits of anger? Um, <laughs> a larger pin. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but, um, but, you know, you stab it and then it kind of take, it holds its shape. So, so actually the animation team that are very well versed in using plasticine once they figured out that they could actually sculpt a little bit with it, um, we started getting lots of really great extra expressions mm. um, out of the characters, yeah. which was great. They are very expressive, and you can see the material and get immersed in it. And Mikey showed me the characters as Dan is talking, and you could really see it, and, and all the details that have been put in. And I'm sure a lot of details also went into the book that is going to be released with this short. Mikey, how was it putting right. this, this book together? Oh, such a dream come true. Jackson yeah. was so excited about that. Yeah. So we, we worked with um Bryony Mae Smith, who is she was actually our very first collaborator on the project um before mm -hmm. it even came to Ardman. And it was just Dan and I um in our studio figuring out the story. We we um got in touch with Bryony and she made some of this beautiful concept art that kind of came around with us to the various pictures. And so we we yeah, we're able to work with her again on the picture book, which is really exciting. It's um, it was interesting doing the picture book adaptation because obviously it's it's a half it's a half an hour film, uh, and translating that into a twelve spread picture book is was a, was a huge challenge. So so anyone going into the picture book expecting beat for beat of the film won't get that. <laughs> it's a a slightly simplified version of the story, but we had to really pull out what the kernel the, the that sort of the most kind of purest form of the story and the, what's in the film and to then to tell that in the book and so that 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 side of it was quite challenging um but we're really pleased with, with what we did i think for um future projects it's a good exercise i'd recommend it to anybody is to imagine what the picture book version of your film or story is because it really forces you to and and think about hey the limitations of 12 spreads um, it forces you to cut away all of that perhaps fun but not essential material and just look at the uh, the heart of the heart of the story interesting yeah and and holiday books going along with holiday specials I mean that that's a perfect pairing right there and and families will definitely um, be thrilled with both experiences watching this and reading this and looking at the pictures and before I let you two go, one of the other things that was revealed in this presentation was that you two act out all of the scenes really early on in the process, right? Even before you, you get into the animation to kind of feel everything out. So Dan and Mikey, how would you grade each other in terms of how you are as actors? <laughs> oh, this was, I think, a very, um, <laughs> probably, probably one of our biggest sort of bones of contention through the production. <laughs> We'd often like, We'd do labs for the same the same scene and it'd be like well i thought 
mine was kind of <laughs> funnier like oh, i didn't like the way that that was like that and like well your face is just wrong in the thing <laughs> wow <laughs> so funny, what you, as you act out what you think <laughs> you're conveying through performance it's sometimes when you because basically it's a tool that you you act something out because you only get one shot when you when you animate it so you act it out first and it you have to like become the character and and it and you know act out the scene or the, or the shot and and the good thing about it as well is you can you can film yourself like 20 times doing a little thing and and figure out oh that's the performance whereas on the floor when you're animating you just you get one shot and it takes a few days and then it comes back and you're like ah that's not what i thought so but it is a funny thing that when you you think you've conveyed something in your performance and you take it down to the floor to show the animator and you realize that it's it, you know, no one else is getting what you're thinking <laughs> of than yourself. <laughs> yeah, but the, the the lab process was was very 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 helpful because it, it, firstly it sort of it, it you know it would feed back into the edit. We'd say like actually ah you know when you it might sound okay as a sound bite and it might read okay on the page as a script, but when you put the physical movements in between it, you realize ah hey this this needs another second in between or or even. There needs to be another word in there or another grunt or you know some something else that you wouldn't realize was missing until you actually like embody that action and it's also it's it's a great fun way to like inject some spontaneity into what can be a very very ironed pipeline of of making making a film so i'd recommend it fun. jackson for you to you know act out you know just act out something <laughs> <laughs> Do you yeah. but, but it is genuinely like if you're making animation i i we well we learned this quite late on after making our films that it's an industry standard thing to, to act out your scene and, um, and and refine the performance in live action and then and then use that as a reference and um, and I, I would you know anyone that's making their own films getting used to acting it out and feeling comfortable with yourself mm. doing that is really really valuable it's and really embarrassing true. yourself yeah. publicly you be like you gotta be yeah. like happy to embarrass yourself <laughs> you gotta go for it you gotta go all in i mean you're going all in on a major animated project you might as well yeah. go crazy with it and take chances yeah. with it and, and see what works and and that's what acting does so my thanks to dan ajari and mikey please the directors writers and unexpected actors of robin robin the new <laughs> Netflix animated holiday special premiering Wednesday, November 24th. Guys, it was so great to meet you. Thank you so much Thank for being here today. Oh, absolute pleasure. Thanks, Jackson. Thank you, Jackson. Cheers. I'm Light Camera Jackson. Thank you for listening to this uh, LCJ QA podcast episode. For more, go to lights camera jacksoncom